Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, and I'm founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alumni, which means we spend a lot of time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Well, hey, everybody, here we are in season two of this amazing podcast journey, Life Together in Christ, Cultivating Communities for Spiritual Transformation. I'm Steve Weens. I'm here with Ruth Haley Barton. Hi, Ruth. Good to be with you, Steve. Man, we are back. Yeah, we're ready to go. The award-winning podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what awards we won. Where does one go for one of those? <laughs> um, so we're going to dive right in. Ruth, we're going to talk about uh, communities and We've both been in ministry for a real long time, and sometimes the word community is like kryptonite. Mm -hmm. I mean, no one wants to talk about it. Everyone's been in that bad, small group Mm -hmm. that they hated everybody. They even Mm -hmm. hated themselves when they, by the time they left. Mm -hmm. So uh, can you talk a little bit about the cynicism that we feel about community and what you're going to hopefully bring Mm -hmm. over the next few episodes? Well, as you were talking, I got a vision of a small group I was in, (laughs) and it was in a church where we had assignments about what we were supposed to be studying and doing in small groups. And I remember there was one point where one of the guys literally threw the book across the room and says, I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) And I thought, well, you're saying what the rest of us are thinking. But he literally threw the book across the room and just said, done, not doing this anymore. And I, I could understand it because I think we've all had experiences where we give a lot to a small group, and it takes time. I mean, if you're in a small group and you're meeting one once a week, so you're giving a night away a week, yeah. and um, you have you come into it with great desire and high hopes that you're going to really be close with these people, that you're going to be able to be real with these people, that it's going to be satisfying on some level, maybe even transforming on some level, and rarely does it live up to that expectation. Right. And then, of course, we've all been in churches, too, and churches call themselves communities, and rightly so. But there have been, you know, denominational meltdowns and church Mm -hmm. splits and places where you sort of trusted your soul to these people and then you were treated badly or uh, the truths were withheld or not told. And you're like, is this really what Christian community is? And so um, the closer you get into church life, sometimes the seamier it gets and the more disillusioned you get. So the people who have been most involved with church are often the ones who are the most cynical about church because... They came to it with a lot of desire. They gave a lot of themselves to it, and it didn't end up being what they were hoping for. And so there are a lot of people walking around with a great deal of cynicism about whether or not community is even possible in the church. Um, But then if you scratch underneath that surface, there is still a longing because we were created for community. So we all have that longing, no matter how cynical and disillusioned we are. See, I love how you talk Mm. about that because that invites me right back in. So uh, this episode is called Choosing to Walk Together. And I love in almost every one of the books that I've read, that you've written, it's all set in a particular biblical story. Mm -hmm. And this one is set in the context of the road to Emmaus, Mm -hmm. and thus choosing to walk together. Uh, So talk about why you picked that particular Mm -hmm. story what it evokes for you, and what power it holds. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, it came probably about 15 years ago when we were first beginning the Transforming Communities, and I realized that I had places to land in Scripture for many of the other things I was teaching, like you know Elijah for yep. Solitude and Silence and Moses for Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. But I wanted to teach about transforming community, and I literally asked God, where should I go? Where could I go in the Scriptures? There's the obvious place, the New Testament church, but... 
that seemed kind of um, not fresh to me. Yeah. I'd, I'd heard stories about the New Testament church a lot, the book of Acts and yeah, all that. Yeah, and Sapphira, people yeah, dropping all of that. dead. Yeah, you know, just exactly. Just really good, juicy yes, stuff. Yes, exactly. And I thought, that's a little overused. You know, it's a little boring to me. <laughs> yeah. I asked God to lead me to another place in Scripture that would really speak about community and that I could teach out of for a compelling vision of community. And really, the Lord led me to the story of Emmaus as a model for spiritual community or transforming community to be specific because it was in that place where there were two disciples who had experienced something very traumatic in their lives um, they were on their way home from this traumatic experience and which they is were, the death of Jesus yes the death of Jesus it was you know the Sunday of resurrection weekend and it says that they were talking about all these things that had happened so they were having this really real raw conversation and it was the conversation, the Bible says, that caused Jesus to draw near. And I thought, how interesting is that? Yeah. Usually we think about a community where Jesus draws near as being a Bible study or a formal worship service or prayer, prayer time or something like that. But no, it was this really raw human conversation. And then as the story unfolds, you know, Jesus joins them and his presence is the transforming presence. The two people, they don't transform each other. It's the fact that they allow Jesus into that intimate place that brought about a, a true transformation in their lives from dejected, despairing disciples to by the time we get to the end of the story, they are alive with joy and uh, ready to go back with good news to their colleagues and to everybody that they knew. So there's a transformation that takes place on this road, and it's because they somehow found a way to open to the presence of Jesus. And I thought, ah, there it is. That's how I see transforming community. And so I, you know, walked into it and was astounded at the levels and the layers of uh, meaning in this story as it relates to transforming community. Yeah, I, I love, in your book, Life Together in Christ, which is what this se this season will be about, is really evocative. I mean, I, I you really um, found a way to embody that and be embodied by that. And I love the story of, of the road to Emmaus. I love it because it isn't like they've, now there is some intentionality mm -hmm. about community, which right. we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. But this is just two people processing yeah. life. Mm -hmm. It's exactly. just, you know, it's not it's not Sunday night at mm -hmm. 7 o'clock. We're going right. to do Sitting it all together. Sitting down and folding right. our hands to pray. Yep, it's yeah. walking. Mm -hmm. And so that feels very yeah. organic right. and real to me. And then that is when the Christ enters in mm -hmm. and opens things up right. and breaks bread eventually, you know, and then we, we get to a table. It's so good. So... Um, Okay, so we're set within the context of the road to Emmaus. Mm -hmm. That's what every episode will be about, different different aspects of that. This one, choosing to walk together. but And you touched on it a second ago, but Ruth, can you give me a little more of a definition of what Christian community is and what it isn't? Well, I actually like to talk about community in three kind of nuanced ways, all of which are just as real, but I think they have a fine nuance. So Christian community definitely has to do with the presence of Christ. You know, we're definitely about being in Christ and, you know, gathering around Christ's presence. Spiritual community, I think, could be an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. You know, the fact that we're opening to the presence of the Holy Spirit. But transforming community is compelling to me because it's opening to the presence of Christ 
but also doing that for a specific purpose. And the specific purpose is to be transformed in Christ's presence. Right. Not just to know Christ, not just to learn about Christ, but to actually be transformed in Christ's presence. And in this story, Christ's presence is the transforming agent. Right. And so I love I love all, all those phrases, Christian community, spiritual community, transforming community. They all speak to different aspects mm. of community uh, that's available to us as Christian people. Okay. And I'm not trying to lead us back into cynicism. Yeah, it's okay. But what mm-hmm. isn't it? Well, I think where I think where we sit around and try to fix and help each other, yes. that therapeutic thing that we get together to do, <laughs> that is definitely not, you know, transforming community because in that kind of situation we're trying to transform each other and yes. be the silver bullet in each other's lives. We're not opening it to Jesus. We're trying to fix each other. I don't think transforming community is necessarily a warm social gathering. Right. It's not backyard Bible, you know, backyard barbecues and things like that. Although hopefully there will be some of that, but we're not getting together for the warm fuzzy feeling of barbecuing hamburgers in the backyard. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not our our purpose. So, um, it's not a warm fuzzy experience. It's not a Bible study. I'll right. also say that. Yeah. Um, Bible study might be involved in it, but um, Bible study is often very heady, and people are interacting with content and trying to increase their knowledge of the scriptures, sometimes even making applications and things like that. But that's not the same thing either as opening to the transforming presence of Christ on yeah. the road of our lives. Yes. I remember when I was in uh, the TC6 mm-hmm. uh, and we went into group spiritual direction, mm-hmm. and you just were very insistent mm-hmm. on the rules. Yeah. Uh, there were very strict mm-hmm. rules about it. And you could not give advice to each right. other. Right. And I remember um, one, I was really, I was great with that. I was like, mm-hmm. yes, finally. But there was a person in our group, awesome person, mm-hmm. but really struggled with that. Yeah. And not because they were bad, but yeah. just because they were so used to having that exchange. Of right. Someone shares a problem, someone gives right. advice. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yes, now I exactly. can move on. And that's not transforming community. No. That's that's transforming each other. That's right. And also, I think sometimes when we engage in those kinds of behaviors, without knowing it, we're actually trying to make ourselves feel more comfortable. <laughs> so if you're sharing something that seems pretty messy yeah. and unfixable, I'm uncomfortable. You know, I might be yeah. uncomfortable being in the presence of that. And so the thing that makes me feel better is to try to fix you. Yeah. Or it could be that I would really, in an ego-driven way, like to be the person that gives you the answer for your yes. life. You know, yes. so it actually hooks into ego and performance orientation and things like that. Um, so there are a lot of reasons why we as human beings do that to each other. And it really robs us of the chance to open to Christ and allow Christ to be the transforming presence. Okay. Love that. Mm -hmm. Now, we're 10 minutes in. There's already a person listening Mm -hmm. right now that is trying so hard. They're trying so hard to to give community another chance. Mm -hmm. They've heard what you, okay, maybe maybe there's two things you said that Mm -hmm. like, okay, maybe, but uh, I can't, I can't go back. I cannot open myself up one more time to another bad experience. Um, Would you say anything to them? about holding on, giving it one more chance, what would you say to them? I'd say you really need to watch for, watch for people and watch for opportunities with people who clearly have this the same sense of community mm-hmm. as you do. Yeah. So many, many churches aren't even casting this kind of vision for what transforming community is. So you can't expect to find it there if they're not intentionally trying to cultivate it. Um, and so you, can, you need to keep your antenna up 
for the people and the places and the groups who are talking about community in this way and who have some structures, some definition and some structures that result in this sort of experience. So, you know, you rightly talk about the rules. I actually called it the structure, you yeah. know, that there was a really disciplined structure that we held to for a purpose. And the purpose was to limit our own you know, human engagement so that the spirit of God would have some space to move and to work. And it works, doesn't it? Oh my It's gosh. very effective, very, yeah. very effective. So you have to look at the structure too. If, if a group is getting together for a Bible study, you may or may not experience what we're talking about here because it's not structured for that. You know, right. the structure really does matter. I totally agree. And I even think once we got used to it and it mm -hmm. only took one or two times, right. There was a lightness to it. Yeah, it. It didn't feel absolutely. so heavy. Mm -hmm. Even though some people were sharing really deep things. Right. Because there was no expectation mm -hmm. and actually you couldn't yeah. give advice, fix. Right. There, it wasn't as heavy, I think, that right. um, so we could carry each other in a much lighter mm -hmm. way. And that was very um, encouraging to me. Right. Well, and I'd also offer offer to each other what came out of your silence and your prayer. I mean, we haven't said anything about what the structure actually is, but uh, we are present to that person in a particular way, and then we're willing to offer what the Holy Spirit puts on our heart to offer. But again, being very disciplined to, and self-aware to notice, is this just my own stuff wanting to say something profound, or is this really the Holy Spirit coming forth with something that I might offer to this other person. It's a very humbling thing, too, because oftentimes we offer things to each other that we have no idea whether they'll be meaningful or not. We just do it out of obedience, you know, yes. and say, I'm I'm not sure if this is relevant or what this exactly means, but when I was sitting in quiet, being in God's presence on your behalf, this is what came, so I'm offering it to you. Take it or leave it, you know? Gosh. So it's very, very humbling, and you have to do it with very open hands with each other. You hold each other, and whatever you offer like you said, lightly and with open hands, and you just offer it because it's what you have. You know, this is not in the context of the TC. It was in a different context, mm -hmm. but same principle. I was with someone. They shared something with me. I gave it some time. I said, mm -hmm. do you mind if I just sit in silence with it? Mm -hmm. And I got a picture of a little girl hiding in a bush. Mm -hmm. And so I go, okay, mm -hmm. this is the weirdest thing. Yeah. I, it might mean zero to you. Mm -hmm. If it means zero to you, please. It's fine. I don't have just, ego attached yeah, to this. It, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But I, I, when I was thinking about you praying for you, I, mm -hmm. I saw a picture of a little girl mm -hmm. hiding in a bush. And mm -hmm. she, this woman, began to weep. Mm -hmm. And then she told me why that was significant. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it was significant. Yeah. And it was something that needed to be healed. Mm -hmm. Now, I, that's a little woo-woo. That's mm -hmm. a little mystical. Yeah. doesn't happen every time. doesn't happen often. Right. But it does happen sometimes, mm -hmm. and that's the kind of space, I think, that we can cultivate where where the presence mm -hmm. of Christ really can do what the presence of Christ can only do. Right. So I love that. Right. So let's pivot a little bit, Ruth. Let's say I'm the pastor of a church, and I'm thinking about community. And what I've been taught is stay away from community in your church. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, you can't, you shouldn't have friends in your church. You shouldn't play favorites. You shouldn't enter into community in your church. Um, can you crack that nut open mm -hmm. and speak to it? Well, I think I think it's a both and. I think that pastors and leaders need to have 
relationships that are soul sustaining for them outside of the community that, that is their job and where they have this role to play and they need to be open and available for the friendships and the relationships that God gives them in that place. So I think it's a both and and I think there's wisdom and I think even Jesus himself models the fact that sometimes he did not entrust himself to others because he knew what was in their hearts. He knew they weren't trustworthy enough to give his heart to. So we can cultivate our discernment and um, our antenna for whether or not people are safe for us to open our hearts to. Um, and then I also always encourage pastors and leaders to be cultivating some relationships that are of a spiritual nature and a friendship nature outside of the place where they are leading and where people see them as being the pastor. You yeah. Know? You, yeah, you yeah. have to have that. So both and is a good approach to that question. So this both and holding mm -hmm. the tension Talk about liminal space, because really that's where mm -hmm. that leads us. Yeah. The necessity to hold two seemingly opposing things and sort of be in this place where you no longer are operating by the rules mm -hmm. and the answers. Talk about the role of liminal space in Christian mm -hmm. community. Well, to do that, let's go back into the Emmaus Road story yeah. just a bit, because the, the two disciples on the Emmaus Road were in liminal space. They were um, in the space that I would call between the now and the not yet where the life that they had had with Jesus, where they thought that he was casting a vision for a new kind of kingdom, and they thought they were going to get to be a part of it, and that they were moving towards something really good. They had let go of their vocations. They had let go of their fishing and their whatever, and had given up everything to follow Jesus for this picture of the new future that he had painted for them. And so when Jesus was crucified, it was not only their friend and their teacher that they lost, but it was also their life. Yes. They lost life as they had known it with him. And they also lost their vision for some future life that Jesus kept yeah. um, describing Hinting at, for them. To yeah, and describing for them sometimes in metaphors and yeah. complicated terms. But anyway, so they, they had lost their now, yes. you know, they didn't have the now that they used to have. Um, and they also didn't have what was going to be given to them in the future. So they were in this very in-between space where they didn't know what was going to be given to them as what they had known had been ripped from them. So the Emmaus Road journey to me is a journey in liminal space. It's the journey between the now and the not yet where what we thought we had has been ripped from us or we've let go of it or something like that and we have not yet been given what's going to be next for us and it feels really uncomfortable. Um, so the fact that these two disciples chose to walk together in that space is the radical choice that, that we're focusing on in this session. Because... For many of us, especially those of us who are introverts, there's this feeling like that is too raw, that is yeah. too personal, it's too vulnerable, it's too unfinished, especially if I'm a Christian that's been a Christian for a long time. I cannot walk this path with anyone. I can't open this up to anyone. They won't possibly understand. It's too hard. I'm just going to walk with this by myself. And that's what many of us do when we are in liminal space. So what's radical about the first piece of the story is that these two disciples chose to walk together than to walk alone and to talk about all these things that had happened in the liminal space, in that place where they, what they had known was ripped from them and they did not yet know what they were being given. It's a, it's a radical, challenging choice to choose to walk together, I think, uh, in those places. Yeah, and I think someone has to go first, mm -hmm. right? I mean, someone has to sort of be the one that says, can we talk about right. that? Mm -hmm. I mean, really that? Can yeah. we really talk about yeah. that thing, yeah. that death, right. that affair, that right. something? Can, right. we, can we talk well, about Or they offer up their own story in right. such a way that the other person says, wow, I guess it's really safe to talk about this yes. sort of thing. They actually lead by their example. Yeah. Um, so these two disciples had been in something really difficult and awful together. 
Um, and so who knows who started the conversation, but they were not talking, the scriptures are really clear. They were not talking about their golf game. <laughs> they were not talking about their grandkids. Yep. They were talking about the hardest thing they had ever experienced and not just talking about the facts of it, but as the story unfolds, you start to see that they were talking about how they felt about it. They were t- also talking about the impact that it had on their faith and their whole life perspective. They went all the way down, you know, to the bottom. You know, it occurs to me as you're talking, so there's the there's the journey out mm-hmm. of Egypt into the wilderness mm-hmm. before you get to the promised land. And so you can't, there's no direct flight from mm-hmm. Egypt to the promised land. And liminal space walking together seems to be a wilderness experience. Mm-hmm. Would you would you agree or disagree? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think the, the language of liminal space, you know, there, there are several different biblical yeah. metaphors or ways of looking at it. And the wilderness is certainly one biblical metaphor for, for yeah. liminal space. Fascinating. So things, so when you, in, when you choose to hold that tension of being in liminal space, mm-hmm. when you choose to really go there and talk about it, things do get messy. Mm-hmm. And so can you talk a little bit about sort of how do you, how do you, how do you stay? Cause there's one, it's, it's, it's one thing to choose to start the liminal conversation mm-hmm. It's another thing to stay there mm-hmm. when things get really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Or when or when it takes a long time. Right. You're embarrassed and you're like, I wish I was through this, but I'm oh, not. Gosh, I know you're yeah. you know, you know, you're tired of hearing me talk about this, but this is still where I am. Yeah. Uh, it, sometimes the journey seems long too, and you wonder if everybody around you is just getting bored with you, right? Yeah. And maybe they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know, <laughs> no. you know? Yeah. So talk about that. Yeah. So you're 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 walking with people and either you're the person or mm-hmm. they're the person that just is still mm-hmm. there. They're not fixed yet. Right. And how do you keep walking with mm-hmm. someone without fixing them mm-hmm. um, and w- maintaining some empathy, compassion? Yeah. I think that as we remove the expectation that we're going to be the one to fix, that we're able to just be with them where they are on any given day um, yeah. and and let it be okay. And to go back to the season that we did previously where we talked about solitude and silence, I think our ability to be with God in our own liminal spaces and to be in that place where we're waiting on God and the great unfixables of our own life and our experience of not knowing what the timing is going to be and having to trust God for ourselves actually prepares us to walk with others in that way too. And so this is where our journey in solitude is actually connected with our journey in community because it's in solitude that we're letting God teach us, you know, God is being with us that way. Yes. And then because we've learned how to do that in our own relationship with God, then we know how to be with others. And we also know how powerful it is. We know how powerful it is for someone to allow us to be right where we are and not try to push us or fix us or, you know, intrude upon us with their own answers, which may not, may or may not be our answers. Um, so it's kind of beautiful how our own inward journey, our journey into solitude and silence actually makes us different people on the road to Emmaus with others, you know. I'm glad you brought that up. It reminds me of something we talked about last mm-hmm. season. And that is, as you do your own inward journey, you're going to have experiences where God gives you a fresh mm-hmm. word. And you talked about the the hardcore necessity of holding that word for yourself. Mm-hmm for as long as it takes so that it can really be yours before you share that in any in any public way. And I think sometimes on the road to Emmaus, we've just gotten a hot, fresh word, mm-hmm. and it's good. Man. Yeah. It's, it's a good word. Yeah. And we're going to mm-hmm. apply it to their situation, mm-hmm. right? not right. even trying to fix them, but we're going to sort right. of say, me too, mm-hmm. and hey, here's what happened. Yeah. So as it relates to doing your own inward journey, 
can you just remind us again how to hold those those things that God brings just mm-hmm. for us and not bring those into community too mm-hmm. soon? Well, it does take discernment, doesn't it? Like we have to discern whether or not the word is just for us now and if it's still just for us yeah. and whether or not it's the word that God is inviting us to offer. And so I wish the answer was more straightforward than that. But, it, you, you know, we have to discern it. We have yeah. to really be attuned to what the Holy Spirit is doing to, to identify whether or not God's bringing it out right now in this context or not. I also think that self-awareness is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about self-examination last time, last yeah. season. And the ability to know within myself where something is coming from. What what part of myself is this coming from? Yeah. Is this coming from sort of an ego-driven place where I just want to be the person that gives them this brilliant word? Is it coming from a more needy place where I want to know I'm important and need to know I'm important, so I'm going to try to fix this person so they appreciate me? Um, is it about control? You know, am I just trying to control the situation and my own anxiety in this situation by trying to put my word on their life? Self-awareness really helps um, to know where it, where is the impetus to share that word coming from. Is it coming from some false part of myself, or is it coming from that true place where God's Spirit is witnessing with my spirit about things that are true? And we, we've learned to recognize that and to trust it and to move with that. And we're going to put that episode on today's show notes, mm-hmm. the episode from last season on doing the exam, mm-hmm. because I think you're totally right. We, we, we have such a hard time bringing our authentic, real, even healthy selves when we're not really even aware of what's bubbling beneath the surface. It's so difficult. Right, right. And you can even use the examen after you've had a conversation with someone, and I suggest that we do. This is how we grow in our self-awareness, yeah. is that when we do the examen, we look back over conversations that we might have had, and we just are willing for God to show us, hmm where that came from or whether that was an appropriate <laughs> yeah. word or whether we overstepped our bounds or or whatever. And we allow God to teach us in that way. The examen really begins to teach us then to know ourselves better and to notice what are the inner motivations in these in these conversations. It's really true. I mean that that's so that's really true. If you have the courage to sort of sit with God mm-hmm. or even a trusted person. Yes. And then that sort of you're not you're not making anything up. You're mm-hmm. just saying, okay, God, just help me walk through right. the day. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of things right. today, and then uh, and then you know you might get this. Well, remember that mm-hmm. time, you know, and, yeah. and it's gentle. Yeah. But do you remember that time when you yeah. said that thing? Mm-hmm. What was that about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can go, okay, Where was well, that really coming yeah, from in yeah. you? You know. Yeah. Or, hey, you remember when you said that thing? Where was that coming from? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes you can say, you know, I think. Actually, that was coming from a pretty healthy mm-hmm. place. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually glad I said it, mm-hmm. you know. But without that review, right. I think it's really hard to come back into community yeah. and, and you know, be on the road, right. walking together mm-hmm. and, and be healthy in any way. Yeah. It, and without that kind of self-examination, we can easily become dangerous in the yeah. human community because then we're speaking out of other parts of ourselves, not the true part where the Holy Spirit has freedom and is at work. So that's a kind of a scary idea, is that we could become dangerous in the community if we engage community in an unexamined way. Yes. Wow. So um, a question for leaders again. Mm-hmm. Well, what are the unique challenges that leaders face when, and I feel like we touched on this a little bit, but let me, let me ask you, what are the unique challenges you have had to face, even in this 15-year run? Because you lead 
an organization called the Transforming Center, and you've done now 13 of these transforming communities, and you're modeling community to all of us. You're telling stories. What unique challenges have you had to face um, as you've tried to cultivate this kind of community that's really rich in self-awareness mm-hmm. and listening to the Holy Spirit and grounding ourselves in the spiritual practices that help us open us up to God? Where have you found yourself challenged? Well, I think for all of us leaders, it's always a challenge to practice what we preach and to do so consistently, what? you know, <laughs> yes, to, that's important. yes, it is. And, um, especially in this area of community, am I just willing to talk to other people about community and set up a small group structure so they get to be in a small yeah. group or am I willing to really be in a life transforming set of relationships myself and give myself fully to those relationships. So I think for leaders in particular, as it has to do with community, the real temptation is to want to set it up for others, but to, to hold back themselves and not have any place where they are really allowing themselves to be fully known. That is a seduction. That's a temptation. There's a lack of integrity in that yeah, when we do that. Definitely. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I, I mentioned the whole idea of knowing when to trust yourself to people. Yeah. And Jesus was pretty careful as a leader himself. And he said he did not entrust himself to them because he knew what was in their hearts. So I think leaders have to be wise about who they trust themselves to. Um, so there's this challenge to be innocent as doves and wise as serpents, you know. Um, someone I know calls that serpenthood. You know, that some of us some of us need a little bit more teaching and training on serpenthood yep. because we just sort of open it all yep. up to everybody without any wisdom or discernment. So that's that's another place. Um, and then I think for leaders to be willing to grow and transform in the context of the relationships that they're in. So, of course, it's a challenge when we're in community and someone in the community challenges something that they see in us that might not be so stellar. Right. And so some leaders are able to really receive that and respond well to it and humbly seek God's help in transforming and growing in that aspect of their lives. And then there are some leaders who simply cannot endure an honest telling of the truth and cannot see uh, their own behaviors and how that's impacting the community that they're a part of. And that is very disillusioning when everybody else can see it, but the leader, him or herself, is not able to acknowledge it. And I'm sure they're teaching self-examination and all that, yep. but they're not able to do that kind of growth and growth and self-knowledge in the context of their own life and community. So that's another that's another danger. Because if we do get involved in community in real ways, people are going to see the beautiful things about us, but they're going to see the parts that need growth and transformation too. And are we willing to let people speak into our lives in those places? That's a very tender, challenging part of life and community for leaders. You're so right. And I think when we go there, and even when we let ourselves be seen in appropriate mm-hmm. ways, but ways that mm-hmm. are difficult... And we sort of make it through mm-hmm. that. Like there's this, oh. It's okay. That, People I can do me. that. Yeah. yeah. Like, the Community world can be end. sustained. You yeah. know, there are relationships that are strong enough to sustain yeah. through those kinds of difficult kinds of conversations. Yeah. Um, and it's encouraging that this stuff actually works. Yeah. It love actually it when works. That, love it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ruth, we're at the end of episode one, choosing to walk together. Thank you so much. Every time, even in these, these things, these conversations I get to have with you, mm-hmm. I, I am going to walk away going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That is really good stuff. So I'm excited for episode two, welcoming the stranger, when we dive in a little bit more of what that means to open ourselves up to the unexpected, where Christ comes in unexpected ways. Great. Looking forward to it. 
Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts out there, and we're grateful that you've spent the last 30 minutes with us. Thanks, Steve, for such great questions and for taking that step of faith to join a transforming community so long ago in 2011. If you're a pastor or a leader who would like to connect your soul with your leadership, please do consider this an invitation to learn more about the Transforming Community, a two-year experience of spiritual formation for leaders. Our experience is grounded in scripture, it is animated by a Trinitarian approach to transformation and community, and it's informed by the richness and diversity of our Christian heritage. If you'd like to learn more, do visit us at transformingcenter.org.